Turning now in our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5, and to end our bulletin to page 10 and 11. We give attention to God's Word. Last week in chapter 5, Kevin brought us through to now verse 18, but I want to begin in verse 17 just as a summary. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Let us pray. Thank you for your word, O Lord. Indeed, as the choir has said, how can we keep from singing? For there is one who has given us a song, who has given us reason to sing, and voices to express it. We pray that now as we turn to your word, you might set us free. Set us free from ourselves, from bondage to sin, and bring us into your presence with joyful hearts. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, you would think that someone who has been in Sunday school most of his life, as I was, someone who had been to seminary, as I have been, someone who was converted at least 40 years ago, and has been pastoring and preaching now for 34 years, you would think that I would understand such simple and clear passages as this in such a way not only to grasp their meaning, but also put them into application. You would think, but you'd be wrong. The sermon isn't about me, but I begin with me because I wanted to be clear that as clear as this passage is, if you find these kinds of things challenging and, and stretching and difficult, uh, I join you. Uh, this, is, this is not that difficult, you wouldn't think. But at least where I'm concerned, you would be wrong. No, no question here that the, the matter of, of verse 18 is one that has stuck in the minds of so many ever since it was written. And it's one of the most well-known verses of Ephesians, the whole letter. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. This ties the passage together that goes all the way back into chapter 4. You'll remember when we were looking in chapter 4 that we were looking at the various uh, putting off and putting on statements that Paul says. Get rid of these old things. They are destructive. Put on these new things. They are helpful. But we found, we, we found parallels for everything except verse 30. We saw that... Uh, uh, on verse 29, we are not to let any unwholesome talk come out of our mouths. 
unedifying speech, but rather edifying speech. Verse 28, he who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with his hands. Do not be angry, etc. But now verse 30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. That's the negative. Do not fight against the Holy Spirit. Do not make him sad by refusing to hear him and to do as he says. But where is the parallel? Well, the parallel I said then, and I, I call to your attention to now, is all the way in chapter 5, verse 18. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. So, do not grieve the Spirit, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, this sounds like a foreign language in one respect. Let's admit that we could go for months at a time in our world... And apart from our personal Bible reading, we'd never encounter anybody who had any concern whatsoever about this imperative that we find in chapter 5, verse 18, being filled with the Spirit. This is not something that the world is interested in at all. And frankly, this is something that the Christian can, can pass over and minimize. But here is a clear imperative. As I said, one of the more well-known verses in chapter 5, verse 18, in in, in all the book of of Ephesians. And so he begins to to describe what it is. But let let me say now from the outline, to be filled with the Spirit is to have the truth shining through us. That is, to let let the Holy Spirit work in such a way as he is transparently working through us. Alcohol makes you not see things clearly. Inhibitions are gone because the truth is distorted by the drug. But the Spirit's job is to show you more of the real world, of who you really are and how things really work here and about heaven. Your understanding of life is heightened as he works in and through you. So don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Put that off. But put on a filling We'll define that in a moment, but further, some more bullets. Being filled with the Spirit is different from defiance or drunkenness or turning away from God and grieving Him. With Him, I win. He is glorified, and I am gratified. The truth shines through me. When the Holy Spirit is working through me, and when it's not just me who's doing the talking, the thinking, and the acting. Being filled with the Spirit is subject to degrees. There are great times of power and anointing. They come when you are simply doing your duty sometimes, not necessarily the norm, but nevertheless, he says, I want you to give attention to this. In the imperative, he says, be filled with the Spirit. Do something about this. I want you to increase it in your life. I want it to be apparent and and clear to others that the Holy Spirit is working through you. Being filled with the Spirit is accomplished through the dynamic mortification or repentance and also aspiration. That is, I want this. I want this because the Bible says I should have it, even though nobody else I know really wants it. Most of the time, our thoughts and the thoughts of those around us are, be filled with my ideas. Be filled with what you want to do. Be filled with what I want to do. Be filled with my conceptions. Do as I say, as as I desire. But here Paul puts a clear dichotomy and says, you are a person, distinct and individual, sovereign and independent, 
I want you to be filled with the Spirit. I want that to be a part of your life. I don't want you to grieve Him. On the contrary, I want you to be filled with Him. People define this and describe the filling of the Holy Spirit in different ways. Sometimes they, they speak of spiritual gifts and sometimes of, of great aspiration, as they say, and, and anointing and wonderful moments of fullness. It seems, though, however, the emphasis here is, it, is to be filled with the Spirit on an ongoing way. In the same way that we are called to go into the world with the evangelistic message to every tribe and nation, so we are called on an ongoing way to, to be filled with the Spirit, not just in one episode or in some isolated instance, but as a regular part of our lives. A regular part of our lives, filled by the Spirit, then is described by three things. First of all, note what that it is not. What is not on the list are revivals and awakenings or spiritual phenomena or healings. Because every Christian has the Holy Spirit, we are to work at seeking to increase our reliance upon him and his translation through us in these ways. First of all, verse 19, speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. The day of the musical is pretty well past, but, you know, South Pacific and Oklahoma and the others, they, all of a sudden somebody breaks into song. That doesn't happen very often in the people I know. He's not talking about necessarily just breaking into song. He's saying, use the Bible. Use the scriptures on yourself and on others. Let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, verse 29. The opposite of that is this. Speak to one another with Scripture. Scripture that is literally a psalm. Scripture that is transmuted a bit into a hymn and spiritual song. But let that be your conversation. In order to be spirit-filled... In order not to be drunk on wine, be drunk on this. Be drunk on Scripture and its truths. Instead of drunken sociability, there is a real joyous Christian sociability that comes from the movement of the Spirit. Beautiful creativity is heightened. We want to sing. We need to sing. Yes, yes, we do sing. But even if you're not what you consider to be a strong singer, and that you're not bent in bre to, toward breaking into song... The Bible and its passages are to be shared. Existential praise, songs of praise in the heart that flow over to others, even when life is pretty ordinary. Nothing more encouraging than to hear a friend give us a word from the scriptures that lifts our hearts, that redirects our thoughts from our problems and our burdens to heaven that redirects our thinking from error and selfishness toward the one who gave himself for us. The one who, uh, words which to redirect our thinking from the problems of this world to the glories of the next. You can do this. 
This is not just for the Sunday morning crowd, not just for the Sunday school class or the Bible study, although those are excellent places for it to happen. You can encourage and build up through the use of Scripture, even quoting favorite choruses all along. This has happened to me many times over the course of my life. One would think that as a pastor, I ought to be the one giving, and I trust that I have, but have often received. And as I was working on the sermon this week, I thought back of people I knew. Some of them loved to sing, and some of them didn't, but who shared portions of songs and psalms with me. I think of one man by the name of Ed, who's now in heaven. He often would quote the old Andre, well, from the 70s anyway, I don't know how old that is for you, but the old Andre Crouch chorus, through it all, through it all. Uh, I've learned to trust in Jesus. Through it all, through it all, I've learned to depend upon his word. And he, he was a pretty good singer, so sometimes he would sing it. But even when he didn't, he, he would just start into it. And it would be an encouragement. Sometimes we don't know what to say. We don't feel like we have the wisdom that we could solve a problem that a person presents to us. A downcast heart. A sorrowful, grieving spirit. One who's been knocked down by circumstances and even sin. What do I say to somebody like that? Scripture. A song. A hymn. Words that can be shared. That enables them to be blessed by the Spirit and to us to be filled with the Spirit. Instead, be filled with the Spirit by speaking to one another in psalms and hymns. And furthermore, singing and making music in your heart to God. This is a wonderful thing. So many times, after worship services, after having felt like I once again stumbled through the sermon, I would say to people, come for the music. I apologize. Come for the music. It's reliably good. You never know. It's going to be solos. In this, in this particular instance, two different groups of, of uh, singers, choirs, and a, and a collection of music. And you know this to be true over and over and over again. On Sunday morning, you come in in various moods, in various amounts of distress, and you hear the others singing. You may not yourself feel like singing, but you hear the others singing, and it lifts your heart. It's as if they're singing almost to you instead of unto the Lord. This is the effect that music is supposed to have. We say that it's inspiring. It's more than that. It's a spiritual tool that God uses to fill his people with his spirit. And we've all had that experience even when the music is not necessarily our style or the kind that we would pick and like the most, we are surprised to see that just a phrase in one of the songs 
arrests our thinking. And we say, yes, that's true. Oh, thank you for helping me, Lord, to see more clearly. To be reminded of your blessing. So come together to create good fellowship and creative joy in the Lord. This is the application. Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. These are all valid expressions, outbursts of joy that lie behind most of these expressions. If you are bored, then you have found nothing to praise. Those who are filled with the Spirit are rarely bored. They are always finding things to sing about, even in this broken world. Even if music is not one of your first three gifts. Even if singing is not something you do well or you feel awkward at it. You can sing in your heart. Do not minimize the importance of music. It can be used as a vehicle to distort the gospel. But it is intended to be a resource to help. Use it. Listen to Christian radio until you find a station that plays the music that speaks to you. Put on music of various kinds, uh, your headset or whatever, and listen to it. Don't deprive yourself. And when someone is discouraged, share scripture with them. Give them a word of encouragement. You may feel that you can't, you feel awkward in knowing what to say or how to say it because the pain seems to be so acute. But the Bible has a soothing, balming influence. It's recommended absolutely clearly here. Speak to one another this way. Do not let unwholesome things come out of your mouth. Someone says that that person wronged you. Instead of joining them and heaping vitriol on that person, say, you know, Romans 8.28 is a wonderful truth even in times like this. All things work together for good. And if he treated you bad, it'll be okay. The Bible says so. Secondly, contentment. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. This, of course, is Thanksgiving. A season in the American calendar. Gathering of family and friends. Which forces us to pause for a moment and count our blessings. But nothing about a seasonal Thanksgiving in the Bible. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. Ron, in his prayer, quoted another portion. That we're always to be giving thanks. We can find many scriptures on this. And many reasons not to. There are lots of reasons not to be grateful or content. There are a lot of things in this world that are wrong. There are a lot of things with us that are not right. There are a whole lot of problems that need to be addressed and need to be discussed and faced. Nevertheless, the clear teaching is that we should always give thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. What does this do for us? It drives us into a, 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 
a state of contentment in the midst of discord because we find our rest in him. Always giving thanks to God the Father. A Father, Jesus taught his disciples to pray, Our Father who art in heaven. This is where these things come from. And so we can thank him. And if you can't think of a reason, if nothing occurs to you, if the pain and the disappointment is so great, if there's no other reason to give thanks for him, then do it in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. His substitutionary atonement for you. His standing in your place. His being for you, that righteousness that you could not accomplish. And then giving to you that righteousness which he has accomplished. Grafting you into his family and adopting you and giving you a new standing. Even death can't break that. Nothing's more important. Now we think that succeeding at this or that is more important. But the Bible says no. Because you may fail at this or that. And it may not go well at all. Nevertheless, we can give thanks through Jesus Christ our Lord. He has given us reason to be grateful through all the seasons and disappointments that we would face. Relatively easy to preach about. Not so easy to do. We all struggle here. We all deal with disappointment and dashed expectations. And so he says, quite practically, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. Everything? Everything. Including the losses the failures, the shortcomings, and the pain. Not just in November, always. Not just for those things that go right, no. The Bible, you see, anticipates the fact that things will not go right. And goes and rushes to meet us by saying, you will be filled with the Spirit when you can do this. And this is the way to be filled with the Spirit, is to actively thank God, actively thank Him when things don't go well. Purposely. Now, is that disingenuous? Not entirely. Sometimes our head must lead our heart. And when our heart is broken, our head must say, yes, but there'll be another day. So be thankful. Of course it's painful, but there will be another day. Give thanks. Express your gratitude to God because he's bigger than this one circumstance and this one disappointment and this one failure. Be filled with the Spirit this way. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. Everything. And if for no other reason than because and through the name of Jesus Christ. 
So as I say in the application, you can measure your level of spirit-filled living not by an emotional high, but by this. Are you always and in everything giving thanks? Do you love God enough to be content with what he has brought into your life? You would think I would get this. You would think. I need to, we need to, all believers need to hear this and focus on it. It's wonderfully true. This shows the difference between a Christian who works out of a framework of works righteousness and those who work out of a framework of grace. For grateful joy truly motivates. Not fear. Not guilt. Those have their place. But to be spirit-filled, we begin with singing and with songs in our hearts and sharing scripture with each other and giving thanks in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then thirdly, as he shifts now to talk about the marriage relationship, he begins that passage and closes this one with verse 21. The third thing we do to be filled with the Spirit and to see that manifested in our marriages is to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Mutual submission. You first. How are things with you? What can I tell what can, what what would you like to say to me? How can I listen? You first. Relationships of mutual submission, especially as it relates to marriage and parents and children and employee and employers. The rest of the book of Ephesians, the rest of the letter to the church at Ephesus will deal with those relational things. Marriage first. Then in the beginning of chapter 6, there's a short section on parents and children relationships and and a section on employer and employee relationships before we get into the final section, which has to do with spiritual warfare. So this sets all of that up. And And it concludes the section on being filled with the Spirit with one of the most important verses in the Bible. Very clear. Very succinct. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Put yourself in service to him and to the others. Look for ways to give. Here again, this is not the counsel of our culture. The counsel of our culture is not to use scripture... For anything except a light sprinkling over the holiday. The trajectory of our culture is not to give thanks, but to get even. To pay back. To settle a score. And the teaching of our culture is not to submit to anybody. Unless you have to. Submission is a bad thing. Scripture is a bad thing. And thanksgiving is a bad thing. We can't listen to those voices. We can't listen to those impulses within ourselves. 
For the Bible teaches clearly that those things are in error. They are harmful. They are wrong. And any emphasis that we place upon them is misplaced. It doesn't matter how many other people are getting drunk with wine. Don't do it. It doesn't matter how many other people are submitting to no one but themselves. Don't do it. It doesn't matter how many other people are ignoring Scripture or opposing its teaching. Don't do that. And it doesn't matter how many cranky, unhappy people there are with unthankful and ungrateful hearts. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. There it is. You would think that by now this would be true, at least of the preacher, if not of us all. You've heard this before. I have introduced no innovation this morning. No new information has been transmitted to you. So we go back to the cross. And we say, Lord, this is simple. I have so many reasons to do this, but I haven't. And you know it. I make no effort to hide it, nor to excuse it. I have wandered away from Scripture in my speech. I have not let contentment reign in my heart. And I still hate submission as much as the day I first heard the word. Nevertheless, all of these things are true of our Savior. What did he do in the face of Satan? What did he do in the face of controversy? He quoted Scripture. Jesus hung to it. And on the cross, he quoted Scripture. It was his lifeblood. He needed it in that sense. It was a part of his expression, not only of his divinity, but also of his humanity. And so do we. His life was characterized by thankfulness, although the reasons for contentment were very few. He left the reasons for contentment in heaven and came down that we might have contentment here and forevermore. But during this life, he had no place to lay his head. Foxes have holes, the birds of the air have their nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And it's true. You cannot read the New Testament without seeing that he had every reason in the world not to be content. And yet his life was characterized by it. And then submitting to his father, to Pilate, ultimately to the Pharisees, to Herod, to the soldiers, when he might have called a legion of angels to his side, when he might have demonstrated once and for all that he truly was the Messiah and the God-King of all creation, he submitted at great cost. He put himself under Pilate, even John the Baptist, who said he was not worthy to untie his sandals. So Jesus has shown us that this is the way. And he has led us in it and he has given himself to it. And he has called us to do the same. 
Not to be the Savior, but to be like the Savior. To follow the Savior. To take up our cross daily, denying ourselves, and coming after him. It's as clear as a bell. You would think we would get it. Let's ask him to help us, shall we pray? Oh Lord, it is not those things in the Bible that we don't understand that trouble us. It is those things in the Bible that we do understand that trouble us. And this one, very clearly, is one of those. We see what you mean, but we ask for your help. We know that such faithfulness would not save us, but we know that it would please you. And so enable us, at least in one area of these three, in these days to come, help us with our speech to use more scripture and song, with our hearts to respond with contentment and thanksgiving, or with our lives with submission and service. May we, O Lord, be filled with the Spirit. We know what it is to be filled with wine. It is distortion and ruin. But to be filled with the Spirit is life itself. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for manifesting that life to us. Help us to take up our cross and follow you now by faith. In Jesus' name, amen.